Good morning, church. Good morning, online community. A couple weeks ago, we uh, did a prayer and praise gathering, and uh, we used to do these uh, cyclically, and we're going to, uh, we've kicked that back in, and what that means is about every couple of months, every quarter, we come together uh, simply to praise the Lord and pray for two solid hours, and we just had one a couple weeks ago, and what I, what I said, I felt was from the Holy Spirit, was every time we do one of these uh, concentrated, united, coming together, worshiping Him and praying, and that's all we do, things begin to move that were not moving, that things are brought to resolution that would not resolve. And I've, I, I've showed you a couple of videos last week of a healing and some salvations, and there's, I got some other things that are uh, moving, um, but here's just a couple, uh, real quick. One, Linda, who's a member of our congregation, who's here in the church this morning, she uh, came to us and said that she has this overwhelming oppression and dread on her that she just can't shake. And, uh, you know, it was just debilitating for her. And she came to the prayer and praise gathering. And uh, the next morning, I get this email from her. When I woke up this morning, I immediately realized that the terrible feeling I had been carrying around with me for about two weeks, which I tried to explain to you yesterday morning at church, was gone. <laughs> Isn't that great? Just gone. I knew it was a spiritual attack, but I couldn't get rid of it myself. I'm so grateful for your prayers last night. It's, also, it's awfully scary to be attacked and attacked like that. So relieved. Thank you, Linda. Yes. Amen. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Another thing I've recognized over the years, and we're going to jump into the message, but we always like to talk about what Jesus is doing, not just what he did. And so we always give testimonies in our church as they come in. Um, one of the things I have experienced over the last 40 years of walking with the Lord is there are times when things just won't uh, open up for you in life. Vendors won't respond. Banks won't give you loans. Uh, your car can't get fixed. They don't know why. You got physical ailments in your body, and it's just like nothing is working. Anybody ever experienced that before? And it goes on and on and on and on, and it just eats up your time, eats up your mental health, eats up your money. And I remember one time my sister said to me, you need to walk your property and anoint it with oil. And I thought, yeah, I used to do that, spiritual warfare stuff, right? It's like I'd fallen out of that, that uh, mindset. That's right. But I did it. And, and the next day, things started happening again. Vendors had what I needed. They were responding to me. I was like, that is remarkable. I have many stories like that. Well, it, it started happening again the morning after our prayer and praise gathering. And, and I'll tell you more over the, as the weeks uh, ahead. And, and Phil, you got one next week you're going to be sharing. Something that's, you know, resolution, right? Something that had been going on for a long time. But here's just a small thing. And this may seem small to you, but when... Um, you are not getting people to respond to you and it's taken weeks and months. Uh, it's a big thing for you, right? When that's you in that situation. And so it's just a small thing. So uh, last week I was uh, studying my sermon for my sermon out on the back patio. And my wife says, John, and I come running in, right? And there's a leak in our ceiling. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's a terrible John. You know, you can hear the tone of the voice, right? And so um, I open it up, and it's a hot water pipe. It's just, yeah, leaking. Yeah, you can all groan. Yeah. Historically, I would call our home warranty company, and uh, they would, you know, they would maybe get back to you in a couple of days, and they might be able to schedule you in a couple of weeks. And that's just the way it has been. And But the season I've been living in the last year or so is they just don't get back to you. Uh, and they can't get out there for a month or six weeks or two months or whatever. It's just, it's just been horrible. Anyway, they call me the next morning, and they said, oh, you know what? We happen to have uh, a technician in your area today. And I'm like, no, people, people don't just happen to be in Ramona. It's like, 
Nobody wants to go to Ramona. They can't find technicians to go there. They don't want to go there. Nobody wants to go there. We have one today. And he, he came over and he knocked it out and just that afternoon. And then I cut all the drywall out because he got to repair all the bad drywall. And I saw the same pipe about a foot down. There was something else. I was like, oh, that doesn't look right. And so I took a picture of her, went down to the hardware store yesterday, and the guy in the store said, I don't really know what that is, but here, try this and this. So I'm in line, and there's a guy right in front of me at the register, and uh, I just felt impressed. Asked him if he could help you. I'm like, this guy could be a donut salesman for all I know. I don't know who this guy is. So I stepped out and said, excuse me. Um, I said, are you a contractor or something by any chance? He said, no, I'm a pipe fitter. what? You have got to be kidding me. A specialist in working with water pipes. I'm like, look at this picture. This is what they told me to do. He goes, oh, you don't want to do that. And he starts, here's what you need to do. I said, stop. How much would you charge me to do this? He goes, 50 bucks. I said, can you go to my house right now? He goes, uh, no, I've got to go with my wife and kids. And he said, but I could do it tomorrow. And I said, great. I'll be at church until about one o'clock. I'll be back. And he's going to come over to my house today and just fix it. But yeah, go ahead. So that's just one small example, though. And you think, well, that was just a coincidence. And no, no. God cares about everything in our lives. And, and so often the enemy will create a a stronghold or a blockage and just nothing works out for you and when we come together as the body of christ and we call it to god together it breaks open it's like cracks in the dam and all of a sudden things start moving again and there's some of you here that i know your personal stories and some of the things you're battling with and i'm believing god with you that things start to break open for you and the momentum starts to happen again and god's favor and blessings flow into your life amen Amen. So, so today we're going to continue our message, uh, our series on gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. gratitude. All right. Turn to your neighbor and say, gratitude will fix your attitude. Go ahead. Just tell them that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Some of you said that a little bit too aggressively. How many of you have ever taken a shortcut and it just didn't work out for you? All these hands go up, yeah. Try to take a shortcut and it doesn't work. I remember when I was in sixth grade and uh, I had to walk a couple miles to school every day. And it's not just a dad story, up a hill, both ways, in the snow. I had to walk a couple miles to, to school every day. And this one day coming back, I decided I was going to take a shortcut through the golf course. Yeah. And I got so disoriented, and, you know, I was 12 years old, walking home by myself, and the sun starts to set, and I am scared and lost and disoriented, and I just sat down in the street corner, not knowing where I was. And I tried to take a shortcut, and it just didn't work out. I just got lost. Sometimes, the worst thing we can do in life is try to take shortcuts, rather than just going through the process thoroughly so that it's all done right and well. What I want to talk to you about today is sometimes we can go straight from pain to praise. You're in pain and you praise and something cracks and breaks and you get a breakthrough. I call that a shortcut and sometimes they work. The Bible says that we are to praise God at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Not just praise God when things are going good, but praise God at all times, right? Say at all times, at all times. times, Yeah. And so often when we do it, because he's worthy of it, whether things are working out for you or not, because he is God and he is holy and he has saved us. He deserves our praise. But sometimes you, when you praise like that, a thing, it changes things. And we see that all throughout the Bible. We have a bunch of stories about that, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you're in pain and you're praised, praising, but nothing changes. The pain is still there. The suffering is still there. The situation is still there. What do you do in that situation? That's what I want to talk to you about today. And I'm calling this message, how to get from pain to praise. Sometimes it's a journey. 
Now, fortunately for me and my story, that sixth grade story, while sitting on that street corner, sun going down, they didn't have cell phones at that time, right? I'm lost. I don't know where I'm going to sleep, and I'm scared. And all of a sudden, I smelled this horrendous smell. It was like the worst smell I'd ever smelled in my life. And I was looking around to see where that smell was coming from, and it was coming from right over there, my house. See, we lived in this little tiny round clay adobe in Arizona and 40 acres of, of desert. We, we were poor. And that's where we lived. It wasn't in a subdivision. It was like a solo house way out there in this, this desolate field. And the smell coming from my house was sauerkraut. I followed that nasty smell all the way home. Now I love sauerkraut. Sometimes, sometimes, though, you can't make it home. But there is something in the Bible. There is a term for this process of going from pain to praise, this journey. How you get from, how do you get here from here? How do you get there from here? And that word the Bible calls lamentation. It's a lament, the Bible calls it. A lament, L-A-M-E-N-T. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. Half of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. What is a lament? Now this may, you may, you may, this may be strange for you to hear in a faith-filled house to talk about pain and suffering and having to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I want to tell you, there's three kinds of faith in the Bible. The first kind of faith is when God delivers you from it ever touching you. The second kind of faith is the faith when you're in the middle of a trial and suffering and God takes you up out of the middle of it, right in the middle of the season, it just stops. Like the three Hebrew boys, if you know the Old Testament stories, they were in the fiery furnace and then Jesus appears to them and they come out. That's right in the middle of your trial. Sometimes it just ends. And then there is Psalm 23 going through the valley of the shadow of death to the other side. And that faith is an enduring faith. But if we do not embrace lamentations, lamenting in a faith-filled house, so many people will be stuck in pain. And they'll feel like a second-rate citizen in the kingdom of God because everybody else seems to have the victory. Why don't I? And you think there's something wrong with your spirituality. No, sometimes you need to process the pain to get to genuine praise. Can I hear an amen? amen? What is a lamentation? A lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. A lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart, wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. Now, for me, my main motive, op- well, I'm going to re- rephrase this. Someone mentioned to me recently, just this week, that it can seem like I'm always up and always in faith and always have hope. But I want to say to you that you see me on Sunday mornings when I have processed with God and with my friends the pains in my life. And when I come and I share with you from the gospel and I talk to you about answered prayer and I talk to you about God's goodness and God's character, it can seem like I don't carry pain. Or like, I I get out of it really quick. I live with pain. How many of you live with pain? Just, okay, emotional, mental, physical, relational, financial. You know my present situation. I've been living with profound pain. But you see, I also know how to lament. Do you know... uh, Half of the Psalms are lamentations. Do you know they were written by one of the greatest men of faith in the entire Bible? A guy 
who when he was a teenager killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands and then killed a giant, Goliath. David. He's the one whining through half of the Psalms. But this is why God loved him so much. Because God loves honesty. Like what if one of your children came into your room or came out into the kitchen, you know, you're cooking breakfast, Phil, and, you know, Olivia comes in and goes, Oh, thou father, my father. It is thus wonderful to see you, my majestic father. You'd be like, what are you? Is, are you oh, oh this, is a, this is like you're getting ready for a play at school, right? Like this is your, yeah, right? Well, then, how do you think God feels when he made you, you? He knows the pain you're going through. He knows your anger, your lust, your greed, your jealousy, your covetousness, your doubts, your fears, and your unbelief. And you come to him in prayer in the morning and say, Oh, thou majesty, Father. It is so wonderful to be here. He's like, ooh, gross. What is that? Who are you? Every day I have a lament walk. It's from my house to the Ramona airport and back. I do it twice a day. Every day I get out there and I begin with Father. Because that's what Jesus says. Father in heaven, holy is your name. I just throw it out there because it gets me started. Father. And then who knows what's going to come out next. Because one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible is Psalm 62.8. This is my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. Psalm 62.8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge, a refuge for us. Selah. I start walking down that airport road and I say, God, I'm so frustrated my wife's not healed yet. It makes me angry. I know your word. You know I believe. But this is so hard. And my kids and what they've got to go through, Lord, it's not right. It's not fair. Oh, man, I need your strength. I need your help. God, you are faithful. You're true. You're good. I know you are. I know you're so powerful. See, I do that. That's how I, that's how I walk with God. He, knows, he already knows what's in your heart, so it's not like news when it comes out of your mouth, right? He's not like, oh, I didn't know you had that. I didn't know you had unbelief in you, Phil. Oh, I don't even know if we can. I don't even know if we can talk today because I have to process this. Jesus, did you know what was going on inside? I had no idea. Holy Spirit's there. I mean, Holy Spirit. I mean, this is the Holy Spirit's like I. I, I had no clue. Right? No. So why why say it then? Why get it out? I'm going to ask you that question. Why would you do this? I mean, God already knows your pain and suffering. So why would you tell Him about it? What's that? It's a, to process it. Somebody else? It'll poison my heart if I don't. It'll poison your heart if you don't get it out. Confession is truly good for the soul. How many of you have a friend that you can pour everything out and they won't run in terror from your awfulness? You got one? You got one? You got one? You got you can call him up and tell him anything, right? I have a friend just this week who was in a really bad way. And we connected over lunch, and they just like vomited on the table. And I just sat there and just listened. And just listened some more, asked a few questions. Listen, and this is a person of faith. This is a person who loves Jesus deeply. But man, they were hurting and they just got it all out. And the next time I saw the person, I'm like, your countenance is different. And they're like, that lunch really helped. You see, that's, lam that's lamenting to a friend. Well, God is the best friend you and I will ever have. And, go ahead. And, you see, 
He wants us to lament. But listen, here's the structure of a godly lament. Listen, lamenting doesn't mean just complaining. Because actually the Bible says complaining is a sin. And it can bring havoc into your mental, emotional, relational, spiritual life. To just complain. Right? There's a structure to a biblical lament that is God-honoring and gets you unstuck. Here are the four components to a lament. Number one, turning to God. This means you know who your source is. Number two, being brutally honest with God. You have got to get it all out of your heart. Just be honest. Brutally honest. Some of you think it's disrespectful to be honest with God. No, it's very respectful because what you're saying is I trust you with the darkest parts of me. You see, we need to trust God not just with our successes, but with our sadness and our failures. This creates tremendous intimacy with God. Otherwise, it's this weird two-dimensional God is this entity that I can't relate to, and I have to be this religious automaton, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I read my Bible, hallelujah, praise the Lord. How you doing, brother? I'm wonderful, hallelujah, right? It's like we turn into these weird cardboard creatures called Christians rather than like David. We're going to read one of his psalms here in a minute, and you're going to be shocked. Third step of a good biblical lament is being bold in your request to God. After you get it all out, then just swing for the fences with your petitions. And then fourth is you're giving God praise, which means I know you've heard me, and I know that I can trust you. And so we open up with Psalm 22. This is what I wanted to get to today. Psalm 22. This is David who killed a lion, a bear, and Goliath. This is David, God calls a man after my own heart. This is David who had such a deep friendship with God that we all reach for that standard. And here's his opening to Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Woo! Sounds like an accusation against the character of God, doesn't it? But God didn't strike him down, didn't slap him, didn't rebuke him, didn't shut him down. What is going on here? How could he say such a thing to God who, would, who already said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you? David knows that. What is this? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who else said that? Jesus, the Son of God on the cross. In fact, this particular psalm is the most prophetic chapter in the entire bible maybe outside of isaiah 53 which is isaiah 53 700 years before the romans used crucifixion as a uh, as a form of torture and death isaiah prophesied jesus the messiah being crucified as he was that's isaiah 53 this is psalm 22 and this is david pouring out his heart to god about his his current experience what he didn't know at the time was the holy spirit was prophesying not just the crucifixion but the emotional the spiritual and the mental anguish that jesus went through on the cross and as we read down through the psalm you're going to see it in detail and it is shocking how prophetically accurate it is It's not just about David. This is also about Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, my God, oh my God, I cry in the daytime. You do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. Have you ever felt that way before? I cry to you in the daytime, and you're not listening. I cry to you at night, and you, you, you don't hear. You ever felt that way? But this is our first step in a lament. Turning to God. Oh my God. That's the first best step in your relationship with him. Oh my God. You've got to eventually look up. 
You can look around, you can look down, but at one point, if you want deliverance and freedom, you got to look up. Oh my God. Now that right there, some would say, well, this, this is full of unbelief. No, this is full of faith. He knows who his source is. Oh my God, that's faith. It shows that he had a relationship with God. He knows that God is able to deliver him. He knows that God listens and answers prayers. But he also knows it's not happening now, in this moment. David felt this way. Look, this isn't just a one-time experience. As I said, half the Psalms written by David were laments. David lived through hell. It was 13 years from the time that he was anointed as a teenager to be the next king of Israel, 13 years before he actually became king, and four of those years he was on the run for his life by, from the king, living in caves. His, the king gave his wife to another man. His best friends abandoned him. His son betrayed him and tried to overthrow his kingdom. His enemies mocked him. But what did David do about his pain? What did he do about all these experiences? He processed them all with God. And this is one of them, my God, my God. But what did, it, what did this lamenting do for David? There are two things this lamenting did for David. Number one, it made him a merciful king. The people who have been crushed by rejection from friends and abandonment, these people who have experienced bankruptcy and failure and alcoholism and drug addiction or whatever hardship you've experienced in your life, these people who have then turned to God, oh my God, and you process this pain over days, months, weeks, maybe even years, and you walk through it with God, you come to a place of genuine praise. It's not just a cheap song you sing in church. It's praise. I remember one time I went to this church service, and they were, they were singing and praising, and, and then this person came up and talked, and it was okay. And I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm just saying what I felt. It was okay, but it was kind of like platitudes, you know? And then somebody else came up and talked. It was a convention. And then somebody else came up and talked. It was, it was almost annoying because it was all kind of like, noise and all the sermons and all the speeches were just kind of like information and then this one lady walked up and started talking and i was gripped and the place broke into spontaneous praise i was like what was the difference well she began to start telling her story of pain and suffering and then how Jesus met her in her pain and walked with her through the valley of the shadow of death to a banquet table prepared for her by God. And I was like, that is the difference between her and the others who had spoke. It made him a merciful king. When you process your pain and suffering with God, what you're going to end up being is not judgy. And not bitter, but you're going to end up being merciful and empathetic and compassionate and kind and patient. Somebody the other day said they're praying for patience, and I said, dumb prayer. You do not want to pray for patience. <laughs> Ask God just to microwave patience into your character overnight because the process becoming patient is a brutal one the second thing that lamenting did for david is it deepened his friendship with god how many of you have a deep rich meaningful friendship that probably will be a lifelong friendship just raise your hand okay i guarantee you that that friendship has deep vulnerability and transparency doesn't it you can't just be friends with somebody by going through good times together. Friendship, friendships, deep, deep friendships, like people who go through war together. They come back, and they can only relate to people who have been through war because they've been through something 
that nobody else can understand, but they understand each other, right? The depth of your relationship with God will be directly proportionate to your depth of transparency with God. The depth of your friendship with God will be directly proportionate to your depth of transparency with God. Because you're trusting Him as a trusted friend when you pour out your heart to Him. Now, had God forsaken Him? Answer, no. Was God far from helping Him? No. Was God ignoring Him? No. But David felt that way and he was honest about it. And that word felt is the key word there, feelings. Now look, I don't process every feeling I have with God. Like, you know, when I wake up in the morning, man, I don't want to get out of bed, right? Or when you're on the freeway and some knucklehead cuts you off and you're amped up for a couple of minutes, right? I don't call my therapist over that, right? You're just kind of like, man, that blows. And you just kind of move on. At least you acknowledge it and then you move on. But then there are some pains, some situations, some things that you overreact you have to ask yourself, why did I overreact? What's going on? Because that, that was too big of an overaction for that, that situation. Or pain that doesn't go away. And you come to church and you praise and you leave and the pain is still there. A long-lasting pain. That is what you need to bring to God and process. So, David knew that God was faithful, which is why he was able to follow up, my God, my God, why have you taken me with verse 3 and 5 through 5. But, everybody say but. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. See, David knows who God is. He's just processing. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted you and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and they were not ashamed. You see, this is the anchor to every Christian soul, knowing that God is holy. He says, you are holy, but you are holy. What does holy mean? Perfect. Perfectly faithful, perfectly kind, perfectly loving, perfectly patient. He said, this is how I'm feeling right now, but I do know this. You are holy and that you are great, enthroned on the praise, that you are enthroned as king. You are holy and you are great. I know, see, this knowledge that God is perfect and powerful and attentive and loving, knowing that, you can process whatever pain and frustration you have. See, some people are afraid to admit their pain. Some are afraid to face their lions and their bears and their giants, to face their demons of jealousy and possessiveness and anger and lust and greed and afraid to look down on the inside. They're afraid of what's in there. But when you know that God's sovereign hands are a firm foundation for your life, that you stand in the hands of God, you can just pour out your heart and you don't sink into this quicksand of despair. Like when I was raised in, in, in uh, uh, the faith movement, I was taught that any admission of your fears, your doubts, your unbelief, your sickness, your disease, your poverty, your whatever, if you confess it, it's a negative confession and it causes it to grow. And I lived that way for about 10 years. One of the things that I found I did not have was intimate friendships in the body of Christ, because you can never let anybody in to see the true, real you in your present condition. What I, what I learned since by reading the Psalms, one of the most faith-filled people in the whole Bible, when I started to tell people what I was really going through, I was, I was afraid because I was taught that it's a negative confession and the mountain will grow. You know what I found out? Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another and you will be healed. What I found wasn't when I confess my true current condition, it doesn't get stronger, it gets weaker. And then you have 
friends that come aside alongside, as long as they're not Job's friends. You have good Christian friends that come along and won't judge you for where you're at in the moment. God will not judge you for where you are in the moment. He loves you. He knows you. But here's one of the situations that David was, here's one of the, here's, here's what David said. Now in this, in a lament, you'll find there's pouring out your heart, a fear, doubt, unbelief, whatever it might be. And then there's profession of faith. But then he goes back into his funk again. Then he goes back into faith. Then he goes back into his funk again. Then he, anybody have experienced that before? Yeah. That's what a lament is. It's not so neat and order like, okay, we're going to go point one, now we're going to go point two, and then we're going to point three, and then we're going to praise, right? It's not that, you know, clinical. It's a process. It's kind of like the process of loss, the five steps of grief, you know, shock, and then anger, and then depression, and then negotiation, but it's not like, okay, I'm done with shock, now I'm into anger. Okay, I'm done with anger, now I'm going to go into depression. Okay, and there was a, wait a minute, so why am I angry again? That was step two, because it's not clinical. It's not that sterile, right? We're human. You go in and out, it's more of a process like this. And hopefully, you get, you know, out the other side, and it's like, whew, I'm better, not bitter. But it's a process. And so he goes back and says, but I'm a worm. You're holy, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. Now we've gone to public shame. Before it was just private between me and God. But now he's saying, look, my pain, my suffering, my failure, my demise is known publicly. And I'm being ridiculed by people, my surroundings, my social world, my business world, my ministry world. I've gone through, you know, divorce, two divorces, three divorces. I've gone bankrupt, you know. I, everybody knows, and I'm being ridiculed publicly. They shoot out the lip. They shake their head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him, mocking his relationship with God. Where else did that happen? Jesus on the cross. Some would say, that are, you know, antagonists to Christianity, when Jesus was on the cross and quoted Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's like he was, re, you know, he had rehearsed it, and now he knows he's supposed to say this now, because Psalm 22 says he would say this, which is ludicrous when you understand how much pain he was in on the cross. Even if that was true about Jesus, quoting Psalm 22, because I'm supposed to now while I'm being crucified, the people that were crucifying him didn't say, oh, okay, now it's, now it's our turn to fulfill part of Psalm 22. Now we're supposed to say this. No. This is a fulfillment of prophetic scripture. What David is saying now is, okay, there are stories of the past from our forefathers of how they cried out to you and you delivered them. But it's not happening for me. I'm a worm. I'm like a worm, and I'm being ridiculed. Were those stories actually true? Do you not love me like you love them? Am I more, am I more unspiritual than them? Is that why it's not working for me? You see, you some people lay away at night in chronic pain, and they're not wondering if God exists. They're wondering if God truly loves them. Because how could a loving God let this happen? But I'm a worm. You did it for them. How can you not do it for me? Being, being in a faith-filled, miraculous church environment is one of the hardest places for people who are sick and diseased and hurting because they see other people getting healed, but they're not. Hey, sometimes it's not a microwave situation. Sometimes it, it's a journey. And sometimes it won't even happen then you see jesus like one person said go ahead and threaten me with heaven like the worst thing that could happen to me is i die and go to heaven 
But as long as you are being honest with God in the process, God is pleased with you. I like what one person said recently, uh, there's immediate faith that gets an answer to prayer, but then there's enduring faith that gets an answer to prayer with character. I know I'm taking a little bit longer to teach this today, and I told my staff I'm going to go a little bit longer today because this is way too important to be cheap with and to skip over. And I see a lot of head nodding as I'm talking, which means this is hitting the mark for some of you, which I'm very thankful for. If you're not careful, when you are going through pain and suffering, maybe public rejection, the abandonment, the betrayal of a friend, uh, somebody else is getting healed and you still have your chronic pain, other people getting their prayers answered, you're not. You can fall into the trap like a gentleman that came to our church a number of years ago and he handed me a book he had written and he said, I want you to read this and I really want you to consider it. He was hoping it would change my theology. And that was, he felt like it was his assignment to go around the body of Christ and try to get pastors to change their theology. Because he had prayed for his mom to be healed and she died. He prayed for his brother to be healed and he died. And so he decided, he had come to the conclusion that all the stories of miraculous stories in the Bible were just allegories. They were allegorical. They were just illustrations. They didn't actually happen. Because he had gotten so disappointed that he ended up in disillusionment, which will take you down deep into bad theology, which is what you believe about God. Rather than just saying, sometimes life sucks. The Faith Hall of Fame, Hebrews 11. It has the first half is just all these miraculous answers to prayer. The last quarter of it is all those who did not get their answers to their prayers but they were still in the faith hall of fame chapter in the Bible. They were still in the chapter of faith hall of fame in the Bible, but they never saw their prayers answered, but they believed God all the way till they drew their last breath on the planet earth. And then bam, they see God believing in him. What kind of reward do you think they got when they got there? Woo, come on. But they were mocking David. We're going to close this up in about five to ten minutes we'll be done. So just hang in there with me. This process is important for you to understand and embrace. And I'm wanting to give us all permission to live real authentic lives before one another and before God. And David is a great example. When you're being mocked publicly for your faith, for your relationship with God, or for just who you are, who you become because of your walk with God. I like what Spurgeon says. He's one of the greatest preachers, pastors ever. He preached a sermon called Faith Among Mockers. And he said, here's four attributes of a man or a woman of God. He says, man here, man or woman, boy, girl, doesn't matter. Number one, in a truly grace-filled person, his trust in God is known. When you are truly walking with God, you can't help yourself. Everybody's going to know it. You're not a closet Christian. You haven't put your light under a bushel so nobody can see it, right? You live your faith out loud. Not, hopefully not obnoxiously, but everybody, you know, I can't not talk about God. I just can't. He's my reference point for everything. Secondly, this trust demonstrated by believing people is not understood by the world. Your faith in Christ will not be understood. Your decisions about what you will or will not do will not be understood by the unbelieving world. Number three, this true faith will almost certainly be mocked at some time or another. And number four, the time shall come when the man and woman of faith 
who has trusted in God shall be abundantly justified. (laughs) It happened for David. Psalm 22, he ends up doing great. Lives a full life. Jesus rose from the dead. I would say that's a win. Then he goes back into his lament. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breasts. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is no one to help. He's saying, look, I've known you since I was born. I was raised in faith by you. Where are you? come i don't feel your presence if i could just feel your presence i can make it through anything this psalm does not offer rational answers but rather permission to pray our experience openly and honestly then he goes and describes how deep the suffering is i'm just going to read through this because we got to get to the end here. Think of Jesus on the cross. If you need any more evidence that this is a prophetic psalm, hundreds of years before Jesus was nailed to the cross and suffered, and if you know that story that you hear at Easter or Christmas, look at this. Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax and has melted within me. My strength is dried up like the posture. My tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. There's the crucifixion. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them and my clothing. They cast lots, which is exactly what the soldiers did to crucify Jesus. But now... In this psalm, we turn a corner. There were four steps to a lament. Turn to God. Pour out your heart of pain. And the third one is boldly petition God. And here he goes. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. And then the last phrase of that verse. Everybody say it out loud. You have answered me. Booyah. He kind of comes out of the pain into praise. Now, this chapter doesn't tell us whether his external situation changed or not i think it's probably the best interpretation is it had not but his internal situation had changed because he got it all out poured it out to his best friend and in that process god spoke to his heart It happens to me all the time. That's how I survive. People have asked me, and I could ask many of you the same question, how are you doing so well when you're going through such pain and suffering? All I can say is I could give you a cheap answer, which to me isn't cheap. It's the actual answer, the grace of God. But I also would say this right here, this lamenting process is how I live every day. It is my lifestyle. God's my best friend. I tell him everything. And he meets me there and just whispers a word to me. A scripture comes alive to me. A friend calls and says, I was just, I just had you on my mind and this is what I want to say to you. And it's God. He's like everywhere. And they're just little tiny God nuggets, but man, they're powerful. Sometimes you get like this miraculous cup, boom. Most of the time, it's just little God nuggets throughout your life. And those are the things we feed on and live on 
and he sustains us. And sometimes when he knows you're going to have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, you live on those nuggets, baby. I mean, I need every little whisper from God, every scripture going to speak to me. I listen for God's voice and your voices, the people that are around me. The way I make it is because I have, I process with God and with a handful of people that I know know me and love me. They hear it all. You don't hear it all because that would be inappropriate. I'm not going to come up here and just process all my pain with you on a Sunday morning. But I tell you, there are those in my life who hear it. They call me and I call them. I've called Mark. Time I'm walking down the airport road and I'll say, Mark, I'm calling you because I'm in a bad way. You don't have to ask, you don't have to have any wisdom. You don't have to answer. I just need to pour out my heart to a friend. And then he prays for me. And you're just in a better place afterwards. That's a lamentation. God wants you to lament with him. But look, a true biblical lament will always end up in hope. You, you, you don't like, in your pain, you don't like take, make a sign that says, Welcome to Painville. This is where I'm going to build my house. This is going to be my identity. When you see me, just call me pain and suffering. No, 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 no. That's what I'm talking about. saying passing through. Sometimes it's a short trip. Sometimes it's a longer than you hoped for or ever wanted. And may the sauerkraut bring you home. <laughs> okay. All right, so I want us to lament together. And you might say, well, what does that mean? We're not going to get weird. I'm not going to ask you to be vulnerable and expose yourself to the person next to you. But I do want to bring you to God. I want you to practice this. I don't want to be cheap with this, but this is going to be cheap because it's going to be really short, like a couple of minutes. But I want you to at least, some of you are veterans of this and you're better than I am, but some of you have never gone there. And you might think that it's a lack of faith to go there. No, it's actual faith. It's not weakness to admit your weaknesses. It's strength to admit your weaknesses. It takes courage. It means you're not afraid. So I want us to do is I want us to turn to God first. Remember the four steps, turn to God, pour out your pain, be bold with your requests, and then praise. And we're going to end with praise. The band will come up here in just a minute. But the first thing I want to do is just lead you through this lament. And you online as well, do this with us. I want to lead you through this lament. The first part is very quick. All you do is just turn to God and say, oh, God. Can you do that? Just do that with me right now. Say, God. Come on, get your mind on him. Get your thoughts on him and say, oh, God. Let's all do this together. I'm going to wait for you. Just say, oh, God. Oh, God. Now I'm going to ask you to do the most courageous step. And I want you just off your lips, whisper just enough for just between you and God. Just start being honest about something in your life that is incredibly painful. And you're frustrated and angry about it and fearful about it. And just tell them. I mean, like, tell them exactly how you're feeling about it to the core of your soul. And don't just think it. Say it off your lips, God. I'm going to give you about 30, 45 seconds to do this. Just get it out. Come on. Be honest. Okay, now, by the way, right there, that's called intimacy with God. 
Now begin to ask God what you want. And don't hold back. Ask big. Because you're in friendship with the God of hope. We've asked him big because he's a big God. And now we praise because we know he's hurt us and he loves us and he's good and faithful and true. You are here. 
chronic illness, disease that you've had forever. It could be your mental, emotional health, spiritual needs, financial needs, relational needs. It doesn't matter what it is. We've got to give God a chance. And He doesn't do anything except through prayer. That's how heaven invades the earth. And so, we need prayer for anything. This psalm we read today was the prophetic psalm of Jesus dying on the cross for your sins. Believe it or not, at the end of that psalm, the phrase in the original language, literally the end of that psalm we read today is, it is finished. And the last thing Jesus said on the cross when he died for your sins was, it is finished. Jesus died for your sins, paid the price. Nothing else has to be done except you believe in it and receive in it. Nobody can do that for you. You have to receive the free gift of salvation for yourself. And so if you would like to do that, I just want you to pray this prayer with me real quick. You online, anybody here at church? If that's you, just say this prayer. Just say it out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, I receive you as my Savior right now. I believe you died for my sins. You paid the price. And then God raised you from the dead. And I call you now my Savior, my Lord, and my friend. Fill me with your peace that passes my understanding. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you are in this church and you just did that, I would love for you to come up uh, when we release everybody. People come up for prayer. Just come on up, and I want to pray with you. Online, if you just prayed that prayer, just make a comment there and just say, just gave my life to Jesus, and we're going to follow up with you as well. Amen. God bless you, family. God's favor is upon you. His love is over your life. He is your God, your provider, your healer, and your friend. Be honest with him this week because he already knows about it. Amen? Amen.